We've singled out several areas. Paradosh Etzibu, Kiddush Echedish Vivoshodim, Smiche, Areivus. Respect to which Eretz Yisrael and Knesset Yisrael, country and nation, Hanik Rukol, or Koturbis. Included the survey, I would like to suggest that the locusts to which I've alluded can be classified into two rubrics. Those with regard to which the Kahal Gadol B'Levochamat Adachla Mitzrayim constitutes a self-contained entity and those with respect to which it exists and acts in a representative capacity as the vehicle of Klal Yisrael in its totality. For the purpose of the Lord of Sibu, no such representation is necessary. As the Mechaev of Paradosh Sibu does not need to be the totality of Klal Yisrael. It may be the Aveir of a particular Kohol, and need not refer to the whole of Knesset Yisrael. Rabbi Shimon and Mishnah and Herias hold that each Shevet may bring a separate par. Inasmuch as Rashi explains, the whole shevet is shevet. Each tribe, particularly, ikriko. That's clearly indicating that no national representation is entailed. So when you say that those who are resident in Eretz Yisrael are a call, or those who are outside are not a call, you make a statement about that community in Eretz Yisrael, per se, and regard it independently. On the other hand, as regards Kiddush HaKadosh, surely B'nai Yisrael has been Kaveh Meridim Uzmanim involved in an act in which they engage on behalf of Knesset Yisrael as a whole. To have, as the Adonazah says, the Nechshav Kiddush Kichu Kol HaKahal Me'achar Shekuram Kiddush Echad and here the call of Eretz Yisrael acts on behalf of the whole of Klal Yisrael. And in all likelihood, the same representative function is true of the Kiddush HaSmicha as well. Consequently, the question will be more comprehensive, more radical than the first. I would however suggest further the two are related. The qualitative degree of internal cohesion and coherence, the sense of organic unity of commingling, as it were, is a conditio sine qua non for enabling that cohort to act on behalf of a whole base Israel. Were its status of that call in Israel as an organic community no different from that of the aspirate confer, geography alone would certainly not have granted that kohol representative preeminence. I focused here to four on areas with regard to which the uniqueness of Earth Israel is paramount, as well as for the social some would perhaps add the metaphysical, if not the mystical, infrastructure upon which that uniqueness is grounded. I trust, however, 
that no one here suspects me of confining intrinsically meaningful Jewish existence, personal or even communal, to the geographic parameters of Eretz HaKodesh. The Ramban, as I'm sure you know, went rather far in that direction, contending that Kiva Mitzvah was primarily a function of the being performed in Eretz Yisrael, where they had intrinsic worth, as opposed to their instrumental, largely propedutic status in Chutzlaretz. But as those who have heard me speak to this issue know full well, that position of the Ramban is one which, despite my almost boundless admiration for him, I have great difficulty in comprehending, much less internalizing. What I emphasize here is elsewhere, and this without going overboard as do some of Cook's disciples, is that ours is a dual identity. At one plane, it is both supertemporal and superlocal. A nation transcended not only time in Burke's terms, but place as well. In another, it is very much geared to country, to land. And this in two respects. First, there are elements of land, language, culture, socio-political cohesion, which contribute to our identity as parallel factors, mold French or Japanese nationality. But second, and even more important, our status as a covenantal community is reinforced in El Israel, ideally speaking, because so much of our covenantal experience in general and the content of specific Britot in particular focuses upon El Israel. Because Chumash and Avim abound expressions of the interactive relation like Chesed Velashevet for graces for ill of locus and status. Of course, we have been reassured, as we shall read at this week's parsha, even if they are the land of their enemies, I have not revolted them, been revolted by them, nor have I sought, or rejected them, in order to destroy them by way of contravening my covenant with them. Find the Rebbe Nishalim, their God. But the very need for reassurance highlights the fact that it is indeed in Eretz Yisrael that we are most fully, objectively and subjectively, an Hashem. At various times, different constituencies begin to lose sight of one pole or another of a dual identity. And a reminder of the depth, the richness, and the vitality of a complex identity is then in order. And as to that, with my current remarks, innovating little, presented in the spirit of Dr. Johnson's remark, that men do not need so much to be instructed as to be reminded, are offered. That reminder of the nature of a dual identity 
can be reinforced, I believe, by recourse to another dimension. Moving from the conceptual and theoretical to the personal historical, we find our respective poles grounded in the directions pursued variously by the founders and pillars of Knesset Israel. The experience of the others is profoundly bound up with Eretz Israel. In one respect, this is most clearly manifest with, this, with regard to Yitzchak Avinu, who has no'ila t'mima, is prescribed to leave Eretz Israel altogether. But the link is hardly confined to him. Avraham Avinu bursts upon the scene in relation to Eretz Israel. His sojourn within it serves the prelude is receiving it for himself from posterity. Only after he's been within it, transversed it. Very much in the spirit, I should think, of the wonderful line of Robert Frost, We were the lands before the land was ours. And please be absolim, so heavily focused on the gift of country, that bris bin absolim paves the way for the larger bris pertaining to Avram's gerus, the change of name, the change of identity. But that On the other hand, the experience of Moshe Vahed, by contrast, is wholly devoid of geographic significance. They were never called upon to abandon Atzachah, Moraltachah, and Beit Avicha. But rather it was imposed upon them to labor and to grow within those. Born in captivity, shunted about from one exile to another, Meshach Rabbeinu is destined to lead a nascent people into a faceless desert. We're at the foot of a hitherto anonymous and only temporarily sanctified mountain, they are to enter the ultimate breeze of Kabbalah Satayra. And for him, whatever the reason was, Eretz Israel serves only as the object of futile aspiration and unfulfilled desire. He has a call to a call. Al Shereikiv describes Matan Torah, Maimed Sinai, as Yom HaKahal. This is a time when Kali Yisrael had not yet entered Eretz Yisrael, and therefore, in a certain sense, as the was the Darchim with Gata Halil, in a certain sense, could be viewed as call even prior to its entry. But the call which is bound up with Eretz Yisrael, this is not within the parameters of Moshe Rabbeinu's experience. Hence, the respective experiences of the Ovois and the Meshe and Aaron 
transmit different and yet complementary messages. Establish, if you will, complementary identities. It is surely no matter of accident that Torah was given an alien to Yaleli Shimon. The Ashkoche wished to impress upon Klal Yisrael and Rebbe Yisrael that Jewish existence is viable and therefore obligatory everywhere. The antecedent pretot, with each of the others independently and with all cumulatively, regarding the gift of Earth's soil and its position as the locus of optimal national self-realization, were, however, never abrogated or superseded. Sojourn in the Midbar is after all a way station on the road to Eretz Yisrael. And Moshe Rabbeinu himself is the ultimate symbol of the burning passion to achieve that goal. That movement, from the Yerma call of Maimed al-Sinai, the call which excludes Eretz Yisrael, that was the Odyssey reflecting and creating our dual identity of the Dera Midbar. That, in a sense, is the Odyssey of Jewish history. And that is the quintessence of our view of redemptive meta-history. Aristotelological perception focuses upon Geula as integration at various levels. Ayomahu Yashem Echad Ushemo Echad. Politically, the respective Eitzim of Yehuda and Yisrael are going to be Eitzachat. And another play, the fissure of man and nature, will be healed. And with regard to our particular theme, then the dichotomy of country and nation, two aspects of our collective national existence will be transcended. All of that lies, however, in some remote future. How remote chronologically, we of course do not know. Lo zachu beita, zachu achishena. But surely, in a future which is remote, axiologically and spiritually, from the model in which we, whether the Asper and Yisrael, currently find ourselves. We can, however, even at present, seek to draw closer, to strive, beaten halting steps, to transcend the dichotomy. At times in practice, if we can indeed become part of the call in Al Sisrael, and at times when pragmatic implementation is not feasible, we can seek to transcend at the plane of insight and sensibility. We need Ashkafically to acknowledge the significance of call and the place of Al Sisrael in attaining it. That place, in some respects, directly key to the nature of life in a geopolitical resurgence in the United Israel. The Roshan Seita says that the Yavne, 
a voice emerged, Omar Rabbi Levi, and said, Beyavne after Chuvim, who traded Suah, Yatstabat Korva, and Braizen Racing by Istarot. For millennia, Knesset Israel was responsible for Arabus to level of Nistarais. But at Yavne Panchum, with the dissipation of the social fabric, with the loss of political hegemony, Baskil said, Nigelois, the Arevus, which is grounded in the assumption of culpability and liability at a personal plane, that continues. But that which is grounded in cohesion and coherence and commingling doesn't exist. But that was Biyavne. And now if we have been privileged to have a resurgent political community, presumably that dispensation of Eidlin Oasi Benistot is no longer valid, and the challenge of building a cohesive call very much becomes a part of our opportunity and our responsibility. And I submit that at least in some measure, call in Yisrael is more fully and organically developed, not simply in some mystical or metaphysical plane, but because life itself in all its complexity and sweep, is more organically integrated. To live in Golas to a great extent is to live in an archipelago of islands. One island is your home, another island is your place of work, and a third island is a school, a fourth island is a shul. But basically, that which connects them, the avenues and the boulevards, the streets and the alleys, are in the Pchina of Lochem You live in a country that has a foreign policy, and there's a military policy, but deep down, unless those of us who are worried what will be the impact of the stock market, deep down, most people really don't give a damn. Most Jews, most committed Jews. And there's a fragmented kind of bifurcated existence. And as Israel, and this is part of the glory, part of the problem, everything is interrelated. All the streets and all the alleys with all the good and all the bad that takes place on those, it's part of us, it's part of our life, and we live a more organically comprehensive life, a more integrated life. And therefore, indeed we are in practical and not only in mystical terms, that much more of a call. I know, of course, that we are currently very far in Israel from attaining call in its fullest sense. But the attainment is for us at least, as committed Jews, an aspiration and a mandate. And if I speak to you, Jews of the Gola, it's with the hope that for the Asper Jewry as well, be it even from a distance, there should be a partnership in the aspiration, in the yearning. But the yearning is very often a problem. In one sense, it's the perspective of Israel. I'm not talking now about our current problems and whether we feel isolated or don't feel isolated. I don't feel as isolated as was suggested before. We very much feel that the Gola needs the deepened sense of yearning for Israel and for the realization of call, which is so integrally related to Israel. To yearn for the coalescence of country and nation, which is the ultimate goal of Jewish history. 
I, for one, there are others who disagree. I, for one, do not fault the Gola at the communal or personal level for not following the footsteps of Avraham Avinu. The command of Lech Lecha is unquestionably harsh and demanding, particularly for most of us, fortunate enough not to have Terach for a father. But I do often ask myself, do our friends and our brethren of the Gola sufficiently emulate not Avraham Avinu, but Maisha Rabbein? Many of them, of course, have excellent reasons for remaining as Meshur Benu did on the other bank of the Jordan. But where is the sense of longing? The burning thirst, the desperate prayer, in dire straits, so then they should feel constrained to swell our ranks. We want, and should want, to see them secure and flourishing. But we are pained, not just for pragmatic, but for spiritual reasons, by the contentment. We understand they are where they are, perhaps they need to be where they need to be. But do they miss Kusha do they yearn sufficiently part of the call in its broadest, richest, and deepest sense? Chazal speak of Echad al-Ladu, Echad al Both are in some sense denizens of Tziyah. Is that CPA, that anticipation, aspiration sufficient? One of the questions which Rabbi says a person is asked in Yermadin, Sipitali Yeshua, did you yearn, did you long? Many diaspora Jews today are too secure and too comfortable to have the longing and the yearning of the persecuted and the destitute on the one hand, and yet insufficiently committed and engaged emotionally and philosophically to have the yearning for Moshe Rabbein on the other. Rabbi Simcha comments, that Yaakov Avinu descended to Mitzrayim Lagusha, not Lishtakeya. I mean, Asrib asked, what does it mean? Yaakov Avinu thought he said, go back to Al Sisroel. He knew he was going to Mitzrayim, that's where he's going to die. He just wanted to be brought back to be buried. But Simcha explains, of course he knew that in practical terms, but he was going to go there as a gear, as an outsider. A very different plane of reminder of just a month for Shabbos. Remember hearing the Yavkem Nesli Chayin of Roche used to tell us Talmidim they shouldn't walk down Saddle River Road in the Talesim on Shabbos. Let them feel a little bit of time of the Golas. Walk in Talesim Street, let that wait for Al Israel. Is that sufficiently felt? Is the yearning of the aspiration sufficiently there? Something which Rabonim, which Balabatim should take as a challenge 
because there's much to be done in terms of inculcating, as I said, if not what Avraham Avinu did, at least what Moshe Rabbeinu had. Ultimately, of course, we don't see Moshe Rabbeinu Avraham Avinu as separate. Because I'll speak of a sukkah which, which called Yisrael, and it's a sukkah within which we invite the others, the Moshe Rabbeinu, and Aret. And within its confines, various aspects meld, weld, and lead ultimately to the integrated sense of the wonders of an integrated being, of a call, a country, a nation within its own ambience. It's a sukkah we hope to see built figuratively, literally, may it be. Et sous quatre chalons.